well, 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 well. <laughs> Welcome, that. my friends, to this fine radio program we like to call Smoking and Toasting. Smoking. Uh, it's show number 90. Nine zero show number ninety smoking and toasting. We are brought to you by B and B Butchers and Restaurant at eighteen fourteen Washington Avenue in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Smoking and toasting is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. And welcome to our ninetieth show. Eighty nine of these are available for you to listen to. <laughs> then there's the lost then there's episode. the lost episode, which apparently will never return. <laughs> uh, 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 Bobby, who was producing the show back then, did. Decided we were too bitter yes, on that we show. Were. It's kind of like kind of like if you drink a beer that's just too bitter, and it's just or like a cigar that's too bitter. Yeah, well, this, this one won't. This one won't make the. Yeah, cut. this one's not. That's not going to happen. Yeah, I would have posted the show, but then I'm we a, call it, we call it the liability show. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. I would have posted it, but who knows? We might not still be around had we done it. So, so you know, I mean, being as this is ninety shows now, we really should. Like we got to start thinking about because it's not that far away. It's ten episodes away from one hundred. From our one hundred, we got to do something awesome. Well, I was I was thinking about this, and I don't know if we can pull it off or not. I was thinking about if we could find a big room somewhere, and get a whole lot, get a bigger board and a whole lot of different mics, and invite everyone who's ever been on the show to come back for episode one hundred. Now, obviously, everybody couldn't make it, but think how much fun it would be to have like a big group of people. It'd just be like a drinking and smoking free for all. That sounds like a good Didn't idea. Doesn't that sound fun? Now, as far as big room goes, I'm willing to bet that we could find a venue that would be willing to host that. Well, I'm wondering about upstairs at B&B mm-hmm. Butchers and uh, Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston or in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. Because then mm-hmm. everyone could have Chef Tommy's bacon. <laughs> See, now we just increased the attendance at the 100th <laughs> anniversary show. Hey, you got to stack the deck however you can. you, you got to do it. you got to do it. Uh, on today's show, the silliest words in... In whiskey. Yes, we will go over them for you, one at a time. The it needs to be weird words, words in whiskey. whiskey so we can alliterate that whole sentence. And some of those are weird words in whiskey? Yes, yeah, so I like okay, that Okay, weird words in whiskey it is. I think they're pretty silly, but they're weird. It alliterates much better. All right, weird words in whiskey it is. Change the show title, weird words in whiskey. <laughs> um, plus, we are doubling up on founders today in our tasting. We'll be tasting a founders green zebra gosa style ale. And we'll also be tasting the founders dank wood Imperial Red IPA. The dank wood. I love the that word. Dank, dank. Wood. Yes, dank has become a favorite word on the show. We've uh, we've <laughs> used it quite often. And um, there's a collaboration between St. Arnold and Brash Breweries. Very, very limited. It's called Not a Collaboration. And uh, it is a double dry hopped hazy IPA. The St. Arnold folks and the Brash folks apparently did not collaborate on this. And uh, it, it was very, very... Difficult to get one. Sold out like that. I have one. We will be tasting it today. That's why I stick around you. Yes. Yes. Because every now and then, (laughs) every now and then, I stumble into a store at the right moment. (laughs) It's a talent. I don't know. First of all, though, uh, it's mystery beer time. Mystery beer time. From time to time on the show, we will do a uh, beer or other beverage that is a complete and total mystery. In other words, only the one of us who poured it will know what it exactly is until after we taste it and give our uh, verdict on it and then so it's it's a bit of a blind tasting if you will and uh, i'm just wondering ian if you've done any research on this and what your thoughts are i haven't are researched so far. it yet but uh, right off the nose it smells mm-hmm. malty it smells it is malty, a isn't little it? bit date uh, a little bit of dark fruit mm-hmm. 
kind of a uh, kind of a richness to it actually like a uh, barley wine almost mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. see Let's normally see. we don't even do a tasting in the first segment but uh, interesting because uh it it smells <laughs> it smells more dark fruit than it tastes this this I is, agree this tastes like a uh, like a Belgian like a quad ale or like a um it has that kind of fruitiness to it. Now, if you tell me this is Miller Lite, that's going to be the best thing ever. <laughs> it's Michelob Ultra, I believe. Uh, no, uh, and I apologize for the ringer being on on my phone. That uh, that is won't that happen those, again. Is that one of those BS calls that's, that's like, we noticed that your car, uh, whatever, the uh, uh, warranty is out. Those drive me crazy. Oh, yeah. Or, or when they say, uh, hey, good news about your account. And I go, which account are you referring to? Your account. Your account. You can upgrade it. Which account are you referring to? I'm not going to talk to you if you don't tell me which account we're talking about. Uh, so thoughts on the mystery beer? Fruitiness on the aftertaste. Mm-hmm. Maltiness up front. Very drinkable. It's not as it's not as big feeling as as like you get with a lot of Belgian style beers, but um, it's, it's interesting. It's actually got a little bit of a. It's got it's, it tastes German. Mm-hmm. It's got a little bit of a German vibe to yeah, it, doesn't it? it? Tastes German. I don't know right. how else to describe that. <laughs> what but is this, German? But what, taste what like? throws it off though is the is the fruit taste in the in the background of it. What? Uh, go ahead and lay it on me. What is this? Are you ready for the unveiling? Is it? Get out of dun, here! Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> you found it. And dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I actually thought you would guess it since I had talked about wanting to find some. No, I never, for the I show. never even put that. It's, it, this is this tastes like no Budweiser I've ever had. This is the Budweiser Freedom Reserve Red Lager. It is five point four percent. Interesting, and it is designed as a, uh, I guess, a, a sort of a Fourth of July Memorial Day type. Uh, you know, recognizing that is the American best Budweiser food. I've ever tried. It is easily the best Budweiser I've ever, ever. had. Like they, yeah. Budweiser made a good beer. Uh, the Freedom Reserved. How about that? Yeah, I'm gonna uh, just say we recommend it. Also, cool retro bottle. Yeah, I like the little short stubby uh, bottle. I do. Um, I, so there you go. We reviewed it honestly. Yeah, it's. That's pretty interesting. What did what did you now? Have you tried one before today? No, no. I, I forced myself to wait. I had to buy a six pack. I, <laughs> I didn't find them anywhere. You know where I could, uh, you know, just just get one or two. It's it's uh, drinkable. But, this this actually stands up a bit. Yeah, and you know? and it's still obviously now. I wasn't expecting something that was you know real heavy. Uh, so it obviously would still be very sessionable at a summer you know, a pool party get-together type thing. Well, that's, but. okay, so it has that light mouth feel to it, but it has that dark fruit, or that, that kind of fruity finish on it that I wasn't expecting, and I would never guess um, Budweiser to have that. You can you can actually smell that right off the top. It is certainly more delicious than any Budweiser ever. It is the best Budweiser I've ever had. Yeah. That's by any by any stretch. Yeah, yeah, you know? by 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 a good by a good bit. Well, that's uh, that's pretty impressive. I'm uh, I'm. I will si- put that as drinkable. We're sending our hat, and you know we're very critical of the folks at AB and yeah. Bev here on the show. They're ridiculous, dilly dilly advertising, that criticizing you know aggravating. craft beer and uh, and all of the things that they that they do that don't seem to be in the best interest of people who really like good beer but this is a good beer what's funny okay so the irony on this and uh, and i, I don't want to you know <laughs> like budweiser probably doesn't care what i say mm-hmm. but uh it takes this long to get them to actually prod them enough 
to make something that tastes quality. Well, you remember they put out a special uh, edition of Budweiser around Christmas that was a different. That was Prohibition uh, Lager. The I Prohibition never found Lager. One. I really wanted to try it and I never couldn't find it yet. anywhere. So I was surprised and actually a little bit excited to find this, and even more excited to find out that it tastes good. So hey, rock very on. interesting. That that is a good thing because you have five more. Yes, that's right. <laughs> well, it is not. It should not escape your attention that um, you know we're having our company music meeting today, and I'm in charge of bringing the beer to the music meeting. So I thought <laughs> if it's really not all that good, I'll just throw them in the music meeting you know, beers, and somebody will drink. So it. if I have if I have people come over the house and they bring beers like that, I don't generally drink. You right. know, like the big big box beers, if you mm-hmm. will. Um, they're pretty safe in my refrigerator until I grill. And don't get me wrong. It's not because I'm drinking it. It's because it goes over the fire or over the food. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's that's very smart. It's a little tough to, to chill your uh, coals down a little yeah. bit with dogfish head. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and and you never you never want to uh, come into the kitchen and discover that your wife has been uh, has been uh, cooking and, and battering fish and uh, your... battering fish with uh, with the lone pint uh, uh, yellow rose. So, <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, uh, <laughs> although I'm sure that would be delicious. <laughs> I'm sure it would be. Uh, what a week we're having, Ian. Did you uh, smoke anything interesting this week, my I friend? I did. I yeah? did. I did. I um, last night sat down and selected a cigar out of my humidor. I selected a La Barba. Have you heard of La Barba? Mm. I hadn't either. I don't think I've heard of La Barba. <laughs> so this yeah. is two weeks in a row. You've brought uh, a cigar that is very much an off the grid. At this least was, for yeah, us. This is yeah? a small company, La Barba, and you can read on read up on them. Look up La Barba. Uh, Cigar. Where did you um, find said cigar? So this came in. You know, I've got a buddy of mine that does these cigar auctions, right? And uh, there's about three or four of us that he texts whenever he does that, and says, so "I just got like, this hey, batch. Do you want this. some? Yeah. Are we? And, you know, and and everyone put I'm in or I'm not in or whatever, and um, and so he'll split up. You know, between whoever said, "Hey, I'll pay." You know, my part of that, and he'll mm-hmm. just split it up. This is one of those. So I've got I got a couple of the reds and I got a, a couple of the uh, purple ones. And uh, the red was uh, not quite a um, not quite a uh, Churchill smaller than that, uh, but um, this was this was an interesting cigar. It's mm-hmm. it was a oily kind of wrapper, uh, medium brown oily wrapper, solid, very solid construction. It was beautiful, beautifully made. Uh, this was a Dominican puro. Uh, meaning all the all the uh, yeah, all of tobaccos the came the from tobaccos uh, came from the Dominican uh, Republic, Dominican Republic uh, with a Corojo wrapper, which was really really pretty. Uh, the prelate sniff was leather, earth, and toast. Uh, the prelate draw, I use a punch. I, uh, you know, you can almost guarantee if I'm trying it, unless I say otherwise, I probably used a punch. Um, the prelate draw was effortless; like there was no uh, no uh, tightness to it at all. Nice. Uh, it had light spice, toast, sweet kind of smells, and uh, leather on the prelate draw. The initial light was sweet and toasty. Um, you, by the way, would, I think would really enjoy this cigar because of the way it develops. The first third was more of the same, big, silky smoke on it, okay? Mm-hmm. And it really tasted pretty good, a little bit of spice on the back end. The second third of this, the flavor starts ramping up, like it starts nice. developing yeah, and yeah. getting bigger and turns from what, what I would say the first third of the cigar was a mild smoke, the second <laughs> third of the cigar was definitely medium, and by the third third, the flavor ramps up even more, get hints of chocolate. I, I was tasting hints of brown sugar toast more spice and the spice is in the very very back of the throat kind of spice too so it was interesting because it was a lingering spice but pleasantly la barba la barba interesting i actually meant to bring you one today and i forgot um <laughs> the third third of this uh was it was just 
big and it turned into like almost a not quite full but almost a full flavored cigar at that point more spice kept ramping up it never got to be too much the other flavors um just kind of uh flushed out and Mm -hmm. by the time i was done with that i really enjoyed it um i don't even remember what i paid for this i probably should look that up i have all this other stuff written down and I totally forgot to look up the price on it, but I'm assuming I'm into that cigar at the probably $8 range. Okay. If that cigar was $8, uh, I'm going to give it a 6 If that cigar was $10, I'm going to give it a 5 Okay. Um, it was a great cigar. It was uh, truly enjoyable. If it was less than $8 that I paid for that cigar, then Wildsville. you're yeah. going to go plus from 6 you know? Wow. That's, that's fantastic. We don't do a lot on the show that go above a 6 no, every once in a while. Six and a half, maybe. Every, every once, once in a while. In a while. Yeah. Sometimes you get a black and mild. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And price is driving it. Well, I had uh, <clears throat> an interesting cigar this week. I smoked the uh, Romeo Añejo Robusto by Romeo and Julieta. That sounds delicious. Uh, it looked pretty, uh, although I'm not crazy about It's got a shiny silver and black band on it. it has a little band around the foot and then the romeo with the big letters ro mm, right, right. uh, but it's this sort of shiny silver and black that looks like a it just looks kind of cheap you know it just looks <laughs> like, cheap. like chrome over plastic yeah like chrome over plastic <laughs> right. exactly uh but uh it was an interesting construction it was connecticut broadleaf maduro wrapper uh dominican olor binder and nicaraguan and honduran fillers Pre-light didn't give me too much basic tobacco aroma, maybe a tiny bit of chocolate, cocoa. Um, I used a punch, lit it up very easily. There was a nice burst of pepper in the first inch, then it kind of settled down uh, a little bit. Some chocolate notes, a little sweetness, construction, eh, it was okay, but I had to, I had to keep tending the burn. Uh, huh. The whole time uh, to keep it from starting to now. In fairness, uh, it it responded to the tending and it was okay. But left on its own, it would have burned uh, very crookedly, I think, and that was a little disappointing. Again, Romeo and Julieta, you're expecting a certain level of quality uh, from that cigar. So uh, overall, <clears throat> decent flavors, a bit of complexity, not too much pepper, which was nice. Stayed yeah. medium bodied. Um, I was going to say. That this cigar is a perfect five, that you get exactly what you're paying for in a five to six dollar cigar for this Robusto. But I got this one in a sampler, so I wasn't uh, sure what its individual price was. So I looked it up on the web. Guess what? It's an eight to nine dollar cigar. Oh. Yeah, changes <clears throat> everything. So price to quality, four. Mm. Uh, I would uh, I would say it'd be a pretty solid six dollar stick, but at eight or nine. I have to compare it to cigars like, you know, A.J. Fernandez and Quesada and Rocky Patel, and it just wasn't as good as those, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so for this Robusto, uh, a four, the Romeo Añejo Robusta by Romeo and Julieta. Now, I did get several of them in the uh, in the little mix pack that I got, so it's possible I'll, you know, I'll, I'll like try it again. The yeah, I'll try it, try it again and see if it strikes me differently uh, at a different time. If, if it even burned with a little less tending, I probably would have liked it a little more, right? But that was that was a little irritating. Okay, we have uh, a really interesting show on the way for you. Uh, the weirdest words in whiskey that's coming up. <laughs> Thank plus, you for that. eleven cocktails and the movies that made them famous. It's it's cocktail season. It's summertime. People are throwing parties, making cocktails. So, what are the cocktails that have been uh, that have been movie favorites? And check this baby out. 
This is J.R. Ewing bourbon whiskey. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I don't remember the Dallas theme to hum it off my head, uh, off the top of my head. But this is the J.R. Ewing Private Reserve bourbon whiskey. This is either going to be a very pleasant surprise or a total marketing gimmick, and we'll find out which on the show today. But the so. packaging's awesome. Yes, the packaging is awesome. It looks like a bag, but that's actually, yeah, that's actually solid. I guess it's it's not really wood, but it's. It's kind of like a solid cardboard with a veneer. So. Yes. Uh, so we'll be tasting that, and we have a whole lot of other things to tell you about, including the fact that Snoop Dogg has set a Guinness World Record for the biggest gin and juice. We'll tell you the story coming up. It's smoking and toasting. Welcome back. It is smoking and toasting. Big news from the weekend at Bottle Rock in the Napa Valley. Bottle Rock is a, uh, a music, food, and drink festival that took place uh, over the Memorial Day weekend. And at Bottle Rock, Snoop Dogg took the stage and proceeded to craft Snoop a five-foot-tall, three-foot-wide gin and juice <laughs> in honor of his song from 1994. Uh, he didn't go it alone. He had help from Michael Voltaggio, the top chef champ who helped with the juice portion, and Warren G., the rapper and longtime friend of Snoop Dogg, tipped a few handles of Hendrix into the picture. <laughs> so, uh, the giant juice, uh, gin and juice cocktail required 180 handles of Hendrix gin, according to Billboard, and it even came complete with a giant swizzle stick and an oxymoronic Jumbo tiny umbrella. <laughs> so well, that's awesome. so uh, Guinness Book of World Records. Snoop Dogg is in. Snoop Dogg is in the Guinness Book of World Records. And we got to ask uh, Mattias the, Horseman how he feels about yeah. Oh, the, sure. the Hendrix Gin being in the I'm World sure. Record Gin and Juice. I'm sure Mattias would be very excited. And it, knowing him, he probably hangs out at Snoop Dogg's house. <laughs> that just because that's just Mattias is just that kind of a guy. Just, you know what yeah, I'm saying? He's he's yeah, fun. He really is. So uh, if you got a second here, I yes. want to give a shout out to La Polina. Oh, and to uh, Craig Roberts. And uh, Clay Roberts. Clay Roberts, thank you. I don't know. This, I, had a, I had a friend named Craig Roberts since high school, <laughs> and his name just jumped into my. This uh, just came in the mail, so I don't know if you have that trained on me there, but check this out. Yeah. Oh, this. Now, we talked about this at our live we broadcast did. when we were in Richmond, and, uh, and he said, Clay was there. I will send you guys a couple of those. Give me your address. People say that all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not not always do they follow through. Mr. Clay. Mr. Clay followed through. Followed that through. That is one Look of the sweetest travel humidors you'll ever see. travel humidor. Let me open this up because mm -hmm. this gets even better. I know we talked about it on our show, but I'm so excited because this one's mine, baby. <laughs> Look at that. That's beautiful. Look at that. that is That's just how you carry cigars. Now that is classy. <laughs> it's classy. <laughs> right, that's it's I'm classy. I am so happy with that. That is just beautiful. What a what a great gift that would Clay be. Clay Roberts too. from La Polina Cigars. La Polina Cigars, by the way, fantastic. Enjoyed Boy, we had so we much. had a great time with Clay and a great time with uh, with those cigars. Uh, even though he was smoking other people's cigars, which was fun. Yeah, and kind of classy <laughs> in its own way. Yeah, you well, he, like I said, he's classy. Try other cigars. He's classy. Classy. He tells dirty jokes, though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was a great sound, by the way. Another thing we loved about him. <laughs> always uh, always fun. Always fun. Well, our next uh, our next thing, I didn't realize, actually, until I was uh, putting things together for the show today, that we'd actually doubled up on Founders because uh, you had really um, 
<clears throat> sort of, uh, let's just say, exerted some influence to get us to try this uh, this Founders Dankwood uh, Imperial Red IPA. So I brought that in for today's show. The uh, Dankwood. Well, it says Dank in the title. Come of on. course, so we have to try it. But I had also picked this up a while back, and it's been sitting in the refrigerator, and I thought, you know, we need a, a lighter beer. I didn't want to give away that the mystery beer would be slightly lighter. So I thought we need a lighter beer to open the show. And uh, so I thought, let's go with this Goza-style Green Zebra from Founders. And in looking, apparently this started as a seasonal and has now become a year-round beer for Founders. I love the can. It's brewed with watermelon and sea salt, which sounds just perfect for a Goza. It has an and, interesting uh, uh, It has an interesting funk to the smell, like funk in a good is. way. Yeah, well, funk and dank is... Uh, funk uh, th- like Those funk are kind works, of the watchwords you know? of, uh, of the show this week. So. Uh, <laughs> funk so, and dank. Uh, so, yeah, but, you know, Founders, I will say, we have yet to try a Founders beer that we haven't thought was impressive, you know? They have they've been a uh, they've been a pretty solid contributor to the tasting segment on smoking and toasting. And when I say contributor, I don't mean they've given us. This free is beer. called what? This is called Green Zebra, Goza style ale, brewed with watermelon and sea salt. Okay, so you know that bitter part of the watermelon that's right next to the rind. Yes, that's it, kind of good because mm-hmm. it's a little less sweet. Mm-hmm. This is like that. This could also be called watermelon AF. Boy, you are not kidding. Yeah. You are not kidding. And that bitter hits you on the finish. It doesn't yeah. come to you up front. Up front, this is almost uh, its almost sweet. Yeah. And then on the on the back end, you get that bitterness that really kind of changes the whole, wow, I can see why. It's I'm, interesting that, that that funk on the smell doesn't have anything to do with the taste at all, the flavor. It doesn't uh, show up in the flavor. And, and I'm saying funk, it's a weird word, but I don't mean it in a bad way. It's just different. You know, it's like uh, it's just got a little something on the smell that's that's a little outside what you expect. But this is this is good. This is good like the raspberry AF is from St. Arnold. From Arnold, is, yeah. This is really delicious. Now, interestingly enough, this is a Goza, which is more of that lighter sort of sour with right. saltiness, whereas the Raspberry AF's more the Berliner fruity Weiss. Berliner Weiss so, uh, sort of style. But that's, uh, wow, that's pretty impressive, actually. That would that would be good, like, for, like, an outdoor cookout or something, you know? Just, just... Yeah, this is delicious. This, a is, few of these this has got a lingering sour that just leaves you salivating, too. Like... <laughs> I think, you know, it might be the salt. Is that the what it salt. is? Yeah, yeah, adding that little snap on the end of mm-hmm. it that makes you go, "That's really interesting." Oh, there's a, I want another drink of that. You know, like it, it kind of comes to you right as the finish sort of cools. You're like, I yeah, want some yeah, more. I can see that. Who did the uh, sequench ale? That was, um, mm. is that Dogfish Head? No, I think I believe sequench is, um, but it reminds me of that because that had that uh, sea salt kind of mm-hmm. uh, thing going mm-hmm. on as well. That's so, really good. Yeah, this is this is. You know, and I'm not necessarily a big. I like watermelon. <laughs> You're like I'm going not, back for not seconds. necessarily <laughs> a big fan of watermelon in beer. You know, sometimes to me, when you put you have watermelon flavors right. in foods or beverages that are not watermelon, it reminds me of Jolly Rancher watermelon candy when I was a kid. Oh, see, I was going to say, you yeah. remember the 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 bubblegum, the hubba bubba watermelon mm-hmm. that like mm. when you broke one of those open, everyone around you got to enjoy the watermelon. You got to enjoy the watermelon. Yes, I think that's absolutely true. But uh, and it's so artificial watermelon that's like ah. But this this is not this is this is classic watermelon with a, a little bit of that bitterness in it, a little bit of salt, 
Um, this tastes more authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, the flavor tastes very authentic. It tastes like a, a good sour ale with some watermelon <clears throat> in it, not not um, not artificial watermelon, not right. artificially not sweet, that candy-ish not that, yeah, watermelon. Not that, yes, not that at all. I agree. I agree totally. So. No, this is quite good. Quite good. Delicious. Founders again scores these guys are really on top of their game i'm telling you and they they make such a wide variety of styles too unlike say a dogfish head or a stone where we've also said we've never had a beer from those guys we don't like right but both of those have a tendency to make primarily a certain kind of beer and then they'll occasionally you know uh, try something else we, we have been these guys little, are all over the place we've been a little founder centric lately because didn't we have the kbs just a few weeks ago? we did yeah. we did and, and we'll that's be so good we'll be back with more of the dank wood uh today founders is from grand rapids michigan i find it interesting that Michigan beers seem to have made their way to Texas more than many states' uh, yeah. beers have. It has to be something to do with the laws and regulations for importing beer, and perhaps it's more favorable to Michigan than certain Appar- other places. Apparently, Michiganians is that what Michiganians? you call them? Michiganians uh, make pretty good beer. Apparently, because you know do. Bell's is pretty awesome too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, members of Congress, on your cigar rights update this week. Members of Congress have uh, have been trying to give the handmade cigar industry more time. Along with uh, 32 other members of the House of Representatives, uh, Bill Posey, a Republican from Florida, has sent a letter to the Office of Management and Budget uh, urging the U.S. Food and Drug Administration to extend the open comment period pertaining to the regulation of the premium cigar industry uh, and to delay the August 10th labeling deadline for cigar packaging and advertising. The advance notice of uh, proposed rulemaking began March 26th, and it gives the public an opportunity to voice its opinions on all matters concerning the FDA's regulation of the cigar industry. Um, I, I will say to you the same thing I said last week, which is now is the time to get involved. Now is the time. Go to CigarAficionado.com, uh, go to the news section, and click on one of these articles about what's happening in the cigar industry with regulations right now. There are links in every story for where to click to comment to uh, the Food and Drug Administration mm-hmm. and to your uh, senators and congressmen. This is the time to get involved. Don't just sit back and go, man, I can't believe that happened. If you don't take the opportunity to do something, you're much less entitled to complain later if it goes badly. That's just uh, that's all I'm trying to say. All right, we're going to take a quick break and come back with uh, another segment here. We have more to taste, including um, <clears throat> something that I understand is pretty rare. I'm uh, thrilled that I got a, a can of it. St. Arnold and Brash apparently collaborated on Not a Collaboration, a double dry-hopped hazy IPA. We will uh, try that again here in just a few moments. Plus, oh boy, Oh, <laughs> boy. Um, beer in space. We'll get to that. So we've been beer putting that off for several space. weeks. Beer in space. We'll get to that coming up. You're listening to Smoking and Toasting, and we are thrilled to have you involved in the program with us. Yeah. It felt it felt like a good wrap up spot. Welcome 
Welcome back. It's Morgan and Toastin, and we are uh, bringing you the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We're brought to you by our friends at B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Avenue in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. All right, Ian. <clears throat> Bacon. How would you like to be the first lucky person to drink an delicious ice-cold beer in space? I would love that. Uh, imagine you're barring the stars with an unforgettable view of our beautiful blue planet below. You're kicking back in zero gravity, cracking open a cold brew, enjoying it from the bottle. Not the astronaut squeezy thing, you know? <laughs> uh, real beer experience. Sound impossible? It's possible. Space exploration is not all rockets and rovers. Uh, when our military forces are stationed there, they will deserve to kick back and enjoy a home comfort like a cold beer at the end of a hard day, and a solution is underway. If this cutting-edge space project works, then this beer-drinking feat will not just be a global first, but more likely a galaxy first. There's a team on the verge of cracking it, and their beer delivery system, a.k.a. the Space Pint Glass... <laughs> is uh, based on the fuel tank tech for space exploration, and it aims to deliver a clean pour in space in spite of zero Gs. That is... How do you research that? That's got to be one of the more fun things you can possibly well, do. Well, yeah. What do you do for a living? Well, <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> Some people are working on a cure for cancer. I am working on how to pour <laughs> beer in space and get an appropriate beer pour. Beer in space. Uh, space combining space. Uh, beer brewing talent and space expertise, Four Pines Brewing Company and Sabre Astronautics have joined force. They are determined to create this first beer designed for space and drunk like beer on Earth. Earth, the U.S. Army, and Air Force Space Command senior instructors and operators are contributing their unique expertise to Sabre's space exploration innovation. The Sabre Aeronautics uh, Astronautics folks have engineered iconic projects like the Hubble Space Telescope, the International Space Station, and now beer, beer in, in space. space. Yeah, I love it. Uh, they've been advancing this project actually for several years, and it is nearing its liftoff. Uh, the universe's first truly space beer is called Vostok space beer. It sounds Russian because this unique uh, unique uh, joint force team dubbed the breakthrough beverage after the first breakthrough manned spaceship to space. So nice. So very good. I, uh, I you know, I'm all about the astronauts being able to drink. Yes. Uh, at the end of a hard day, you know, they're there, they're enjoying those rations that can't be all that delicious. <laughs> so to be able to add... Even, even if you oddly like them, yeah. you can't be that good after a few of them. Oh, yeah, a absolutely. When you've been on the International Space Station for six months, yeah, you can't be enjoying uh, the rations so at that much. point. Not thinking so. You're thinking, man... What I would give for some bacon yeah. from B&B &B Butchers right now. Chef Tom's you know? bacon. Oh, man. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. All right, I was sneaking another little uh, uh, sip of that uh, of that green zebra. Um, I'm suspecting you like that green zebra. I did. I like it very much. I, I don't know why I keep going back to it the way I do, but it's just <laughs> it continues to call my name. Uh, Texas' oldest craft brewer is St. Arnold uh, Brewing Company, located in Houston. Um, their uh, their newest release, or uh, one of their newest releases, uh, is a very limited can of. Not a collaboration, and apparently, and I'm going to show this to the camera, apparently where it says not a collaboration there, where you see that marked through, that would have said brash. Not a brash collaboration. Uh, it is 
reportedly, although there's not a lot of information out about this beer, actually, it is reportedly a collaboration between St. Arnold and Brash Breweries, both in the Houston area. But they very specifically call it not a collaboration. So I love the uh, the uh, the artwork on there. This is the guy with Saint the hard Arnold. hat. Yeah, yeah, with the hard hat, and he's wearing the brash helmet. Yeah, yeah which is pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, it's I got to tell you, they've uh, they've got this one figured out. I think um, this beer caused quite a sensation when it was released. It was very limited, and apparently, people were freaking out over where to go and buy it and find it. All I will say to you, if you're in the greater Houston area, good luck. If you're not in the greater Houston area. Uh, you may be out of luck Probably on this not so one. much, yeah. yeah. But uh, let's see. That was good. Yeah, let's see what we can come up with. It is a nice tall can, which this is becoming more and more the rage. These, uh, you know, these taller cans, um, and even even the ones that are taller than this, that are basically like the can version of the bomber. The oil are, can. Are, the oil can. Yeah, those are becoming a bit of the rage as well uh, around, around beer circles as... You know, sadly, the transformation to cans continues at a record pace. Or the crowler. The crowler is very... The crowler is a big thing, yes. A uh, big thing, because it's cheap and easy for uh, for any company to make those and, and maintain them and have a little machine that they can send you home with beers. Well, I remember very early on in the show, we had Eureka Heights on. At that point, mm-hmm. uh, you really couldn't get their beer anywhere except at Eureka Heights. Yeah. And uh, they brought everything in in Crowlers. And they have a lot all, of events at Eureka Heights, by the way. Delicious. They have yoga yes. and beer. Yeah, you got to love that. They have barbecuing classes. Just a wonderful idea. <laughs> yeah, just a wonderful idea. I love that the, uh, that the area craft brewery has become... Almost like the area cultural center yeah. in so many uh, in so many neighborhoods. So, so this is a hazy IPA. It uh, it clocks in. Uh, I'm trying to remember. This is a one pint can. Does it if it has say, anything it to do with not, brash, it clocks in higher clocks than in normal. higher than normal. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's certainly possible. So, by uh, the way, have you ever been to Brash Brewery? Mm-mm. So you walk into Brash Brewery, and it looks like a lot of breweries you walk into. There's a little outside area you can hang out, and you walk in, and they got this bar set up. But when you, I have to post a, a picture that I have. But when you stop and turn around, it's old school arcade. Really? Yeah, it's a, it's like uh, two walls full of old school arcade, arcade games, games like Rampage and, <laughs> and Pac Man and Joust. Yeah, all that stuff. And then in the middle of it, because it's two walls, so in the middle in the corner is a jukebox that is filled with, filled with more metal than you can imagine. Oh, this is your kind of place. I'm talking about, well, <laughs> this is even beyond. <laughs> I like some metal, but like you'll flip through this and you'll be seeing Cannibal Corpse and bands oh, like Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> like, so, yeah, they like, take it very seriously. <laughs> they take it very seriously, in other words. Well, uh, what the are your thoughts? The lighter stuff in their jukebox. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the uh, light the lighter side of metal. Right. Uh, what are your thoughts on this uh, juicy hazy IPA? Um, first off, it smells amazing, as most of the juicies do. Yeah, it smells amazing. Uh, the mouthfeel on this is fantastic. There's the a lot. Is almost like an orange juice. There's yes. You know? Yes, and it actually has a lot of orange um, mm-hmm. kind of uh, uh, flavors in it. Mm-hmm. I, I can only assume after having brash beers and St. Arnold beers that um, the brash beers uh, side of this benefited from being tamed down a little bit. 
by the I mean, same they owner. are called yeah. brash. For yeah. a reason, yes. <laughs> yes. Being tamed down by, a little bit by the same owner, guys. So you get a very, very easy drinking uh, mm-hmm. juicy IPA right here. It's very interesting because the... Um, the it's it's a bit like the St. Arnold art car, yeah. but it's got more juiciness and a little more kick to it. Yeah, it's got more bitterness on the back end, mm-hmm. which it's a good bitter, though. It's a bitter that's kind of at the front of the tongue mm-hmm. uh, that leaves you lingering there. It, to me, this is delicious. This is a, this is a fantastic uh, beer. Also, uh, I'd like to want to show like the to can again, because just in case you guys are able to see this in on the shelf anywhere... Uh, you want to know what it looks like? Well, I'd like to give you uh, kudos, too, because following that Goza, these two went well together. They actually oh, yeah. complement each other really to, did. to yeah. a degree because I guess that juicy fruitiness. This is uh, There's a lot of orange in this and some, a some lot. kind of uh, lemon aftertaste kind of things to it. I was almost it's, picking up like almost like a clementine. Yeah, sort yeah, of that, I could go with that. That slightly more pungent uh-huh. sort of orange uh, flavor flavoring to it. Um, I think it's very good. I, I, could, I could drink a lot of this at a time. I've been a bit of a latecomer to the uh, Hazy IPA fad. It was a fad for a while, and I was like, well, I've had a couple that are decent, but I wasn't, you know, it wasn't something I was getting into on a regular basis. And we had on the show um, very recently the Hazy Little Thing uh, IPA mm-hmm. from Sierra Nevada, and I found that so delicious that I've that's been a uh, that's been a go to beer for me for the last couple of weeks. Yes, agreed. Very, Same very here. good. Uh, and this, I think, falls in that same general uh, general category. Maybe slightly more bitter. Uh, yeah, but- this is this is a bigger version of a hazy IPA mm-hmm. than I think hazy little thing. I think hazy little thing was was made to be your we can drink this a bunch of these at a time kind of thing. This is made to be like that, but this is more of that small craft brew kind of bigness to mm-hmm. it, like in the flavor mm-hmm. and a little more. A little more of everything in it that you would expect from uh, from a hazy IPA, but I really like I like the bitter crispness on this. I don't know nearly as much about Brash, although I've tried several of their beers. Don't know as nearly as much about them as I know about St. Arnold, but I can tell you once again, St. Arnold hits. This, I think, too would uh, as bitter as you have on this. I think it would go well with a good classic cigar. Like a, on the mild to medium side, classic cigar mm-hmm. kind of uh, flavors as Talking well. Talking about something like a you know uh, a Monte Cristo or yeah, uh, a, very maybe much maybe like a Hoya de Monterey, right? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, very I much. Agree. Just your classic. Uh, you know, I always I always tout the uh, the Hemingway from Fuente. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. those kind of things, or your basic Hard. Padron, mm-hmm. something that's not too big. Uh, with your with your classic you know silky kind of smoky flavors, I think would go really well with that. Well, uh, I think a whole lot of things would probably go well with this. Not a brash collaboration uh, from St. Arnold Brewing Company, and I suppose brash. St. Arnold is much more prominent on this can than brash is. St. <laughs> uh, Arnold's name appears several times. Patron saint of brewers, Texas oldest craft brewery. Brash actually only appears where it's crossed out, and of course the little brash helmet. So I don't know. They they've got me curious as to what the what the story nature is. of the collaboration was and what the story is. So uh, maybe we will try to get Brock on. He can tell us uh, all about it. Brock, the brewmaster from uh, from St. Arnold. All right, we're going to take another break, and we will be right back. We are going to be bringing you the weirdest words or the silliest words in whiskey, and we're going to be having us some whiskey. Let's see how good this J.R. Ewing. Uh, it's called J.R. Ewing. Uh, uh, Private Reserve is. It's it's. 
It's got to be good. It's called JR. Uh, we'll be right back. It's uh, smoking and toasting. Wait, 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 wait. Stop the music. Stop, stop the, music. the music. Stop the music, okay? Oh, yeah. It's the Dallas theme. <laughs> Perfectly fitting because we are going to be trying J.R. Ewing's bourbon whiskey in this segment, and it should be interesting. As the most notorious and celebrated bourbon drinker in history, J.R. Ewing's... <laughs> I'm reading from the box, obviously. J.R. Ewing's signature style was founded on a platform of being the best. The bourbon curated in his name carries that same creed through decades of distilling experience, brought to his Texas roots and bottled in Dallas, where J.R. made his mark. Well-balanced with a light amber color and a maturity that adds to its complexity. This taste profile is surprisingly mild, yet crisp. Very, very interesting. Look at the packaging on that. Oh, the packaging's terrific. So and this even, looks like even a when bag. when you open it up. Yeah, it looks like a bag. And then even when you open it up, try to do this without... Uh, Spilling the whiskey out of here, but even when you open it up, it's, it's just in there really, pretty secure. Yeah, actually, it's pretty nice, pretty nice. So, um, so obviously, Jr. was a uh, was a bourbon drinker, uh, but a lot of movies and television shows have given uh, a lift to a particular style of cocktail. And uh, I have a great little list here. You may recognize some of these. Uh, pop culture cocktails range from the blockbuster to the cult classic, black and white to ultra HD. Of course, the vodka martini, James Bond. Everybody knows, you know, mm-hmm. shaken, not stirred. Hard to think of a better known on-screen cocktail reference than James Bond's martinis, right? Best, best I can think of. Have you ever oh, well. actually had a stirred martini? No, I've never. I I don't know that you can stir. Can, I suppose you could, but why would you? I don't know. Shaking just gets it a lot colder. I know that. Yes. <laughs> uh, in Casino Royale, though, Daniel Craig, who was the sixth actor to play James Bond, um, he went straight uh, to the text in the 2006 blockbuster Casino Royale. He orders a Vesper martini. Three measures of Gordon's, one of vodka, half a measure of Kina Lillet. A cocktail invented by Ian Fleming in the 1953 novel Casino Royale. Hmm. So, uh, and I've never had that particular uh, one. In the film, when uh, Daniel Craig as James Bond was asked if he'd like the vodka martini uh, shaken or stirred, he kind of irritably replies, do I look like I give a damn? <laughs> so a little bit of a twist on the classic James Bond uh, cocktail. But the vodka martini, the Vesper, and then this one may be my absolute favorite. Not my favorite cocktail, but my favorite cocktail reference in the Big Lebowski. White Russians, baby. The dude. Now, the dude. I just want to tell you that there was a night not too long after the Big Lebowski came out. It was a Halloween, and I decided to dress as the dude. And there is nothing more liberating, by the way, than hanging out in a bathrobe at a bar. <laughs> Drinking, of like, course. That feels good. And I drank white Russians all, all night, night long. Yeah, did you get sick? No. Oh, wow. But I didn't feel good the next day. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Like, the next it's day, a- it, when I say I didn't feel good, that's as <clears throat> understated as I can possibly be. I don't know if you were uh, a fan of the TV show Mad Men. Uh, I really enjoyed Mad Men. And uh, it really brought back the craze for the old-fashioned. Not that the old-fashioned ever really went away, but Mad Men really 
fueled the fire for making the old-fashioned hip again. And, of course, one of the things you have to love about Mad Men is the first thing they do when they get to their office every single day is go to the bar and make themselves mm-hmm. a drink, the bar in their office. And it's just absolutely awesome. So, yeah, old-fashioned. Uh <clears throat> According to this article in VinePair that I'm getting some of this from, the old-fashioned had actually disappeared into relative oblivion when the show first aired in 2007, a little over 10 years later. And driven by the success of uh, Mad Men, the old-fashioned can arguably be described as the most successful cocktail of the past decade. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. <clears throat> I don't know if I would have uh, known that. You remember the movie uh, Meet the Parents? In Meet the Parents, the Tom Collins uh, reared mm-hmm. its uh, reared its head, driving its name from the elaborate 18, uh, 19th century hoax, and it is the favorite drink of Robert De Niro's character in Meet the Parents. Uh, in Casablanca, the movie Casablanca, it was the French 75, mm-hmm. you may recall. In the Blues Brothers, the Orange Whip. <laughs> <laughs> like many of the cocktails on this list, the Orange Whip enjoyed a massive resurgence in uh, popularity when the Blues Brothers uh, came out. Uh, Jake, uh, his uh, Jake Candy's character orders three of the rum and vodka-based sweet, frothy cocktails, declaring, "Who wants an Orange Whip? Orange Whip! Orange Whip!" <laughs> you remember, right? Right? Uh, three Orange Whips. Uh, the line has gone to, on to receive uh, numerous. Uh, pop culture references. In the movie Cocktail with Tom Cruise, you remember when he did the movie where he was the bartender uh, and he's throwing all that stuff I around? never actually watched that movie. Smart man. Uh, the Red <laughs> Eye. Uh, the Red Eye was the drink that uh, got a bit of a resurgence from uh, the movie Cocktail. From Groundhog Day. I remember Bill Groundhog Murray. Day. Uh, sweet vermouth on the rocks with a twist. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the one from that. From Some Like It Hot, <clears throat> the Manhattan. And uh, from Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, the Singapore Sling with Mezcal on the side, as we celebrate a little Hunter S. Thompson there (laughs) from uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. So those are 11 cocktails and the movies and TV shows that made them famous. And what a setup for an attempt at at doing a little tasting with the J.R. Ewing bourbon. (laughs) You know, that wouldn't be nearly as funny if it were in good fidelity, would it? There's something about that that just totally works. <laughs> All right, I'm sometimes sometimes that's just how you have to rock it. You know, I, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna struggle a little bit. Removing I told you it was not gonna fall out of there. Yeah, you were correct, sir. Wow, uh, it's not even gonna come out of here if we're not uh, if we're not creative. I think we're gonna so. have to break the case. Smoking and toasting versus packaging. <laughs> All right, I think we got it. I will say this though. Take a look at this, Ian. That is heavily packed. Um, uh, what do you? Is it so styrofoam? What I want to. I want to point out this foam right here. That yeah. I use here. This is the geek side of me. This foam right here is the mm-hmm. same thing I use in our road kit. Oh well, no wonder it's. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah, because in that road kit, then man, that stuff this, does not move around. Right, and then they have this high to. density foam on top of it. This is mm-hmm. not cheap packaging. It's actually. It always reminds me, whenever you say high density, for some reason, it always reminds me, this is what a geek I am, of Back to the Future, when Marty McFly's uh, dad, uh, when he goes back to the future and his uh-huh. dad is uh, is kind of like uh, uh, going up to the... Uh, I know where you're going. Uh, going up to who became he's, Marty McFly's mom, and he's trying to say... Dictating the destiny. lines to yeah. him. Yeah, and he goes, you're my density. <laughs> you are yeah. my density. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, Crispin Glover, by the way. I love him. He's the weirdest actor of all time. <laughs> He's pretty strange. He is very... 
very strange. Okay, I'm working on, and I don't want to spill this, but I'm working on pulling the cork out of this uh, J.R. Ewing. So uh, you have any appropriate music for me there? Oh, good. Oh, wow. And I think I got a little... Uh, Got a little bourbon on the on there. got a little bourbon splash on the microphone here. Okay, so this should be a very interesting uh, thing. It's a very Dallas-looking bottle, by the way. Just like totally square, very elegant, very Jr.-ish, uh, I guess. And it is what what's great is it's it's like it, the bottle was signed by Jr. Ewing, yeah. who is a fictional character. <laughs> but uh, but you got to love that anyway. So right. Uh, all right, this will be an interesting uh, attempt at. Uh, at, at tasting, because either this is going to be very, you know, very surprisingly good, or it's going to be a total marketing it's, ploy. It's, yeah, it's a little hard to. I, you know, I look at it as a total marketing ploy that happened to work, right? Um, because we're sitting in here with it, you know. Well, yeah, and and we're. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I just looked down at this photo in this article from Vine Pair. Of the dude with the white Russian, and it just makes me laugh. One of I my favorite love, parts in love, there love is him. when he doesn't have love any it. half and half, right. so he starts making it with uh, powdered with, uh, creamer. Yes. Oh god, <laughs> that whole movie! God, that movie's good. Oh, I, I need to go just watch it again. So you know, I so, recently watched Office Space again. Oh, dude, the, what the a great intro! The beginning of that when he's trying to change the language. Oh, what what a great movie! And, yeah, and the guy passes him on the yeah. Oh, it's it's beautiful. Uh, what a great movie to watch a, uh, an additional a second or third time. And uh, the Big Lebowski is the same way. But we're talking about Jr. right now. We're talking about Dallas. We're talking about Jr.'s bourbon. And uh, oh, interestingly enough. I don't know if you can see this on the camera or not, but on the back of the bottle, I just noticed, I guess that's the front gate from JR's, uh, JR's Ranch. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Wow. I don't know why I like okay. this music in the background so much. <clears throat> apparently, uh, apparently, it's a big fave for you. It's just funnier every time I play it. Well, I will tell you that on, on the nose, uh, there's some definite sweetness here. You can pick up a little of that sort of traditional bourbon, sort of corn and grain uh, uh, sort of aroma. Definitely some sweetness. and So, there's definitely that. You can definitely smell like vanilla and cinnamon maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Let me get your. Let me get your. Uh, I'm going to say this is a pretty straightforward bourbon. Mm -hmm. I don't dislike it at all. Uh, it doesn't necessarily light me up on the palate the way my favorite whiskeys do, which would have a little more. Um, but see, I'm one of those guys. I love like the vanilla mm -hmm. and the uh, the sort of maltiness in in bourbons and whiskeys, and. Um, uh, so my favorites are going to have a little more of this, but that said, this is very drinkable. This bourbon is a bourbon for people who want to like bourbon but don't necessarily like bourbon. Okay. Does and, that make sense? Uh, well, tell me what you mean. Yes, well, but, tell, but explain. I'll tell you what I mean. This bourbon has all the things that bourbon is supposed to have. It doesn't have a lot of substance. Um, it's good. It's easy to drink. It's It doesn't taste bad, but it's not outstanding in any way shape right there's nothing about it that i dislike there's, but there's almost nothing about it that's no outstanding. heat to this it's a bit like the romeo and julieta that i uh talked about like there wasn't really anything about the flavor of that cigar that i didn't like i liked it but it but it wasn't outstanding yeah. and had it been at a better price point 
I'd have given it a better rating. This, though, comes at a good price point. This is $30 for a bottle. You got to love that. I mean, so bang for the buck, it's not bad. If, if you're going to have, if you're the kind of person who goes, you know, every once in a while I want a bourbon, but I want it to be sweet and super smooth, mm-hmm. and, and I don't want to have any. Any real bitter backbite yeah, to it. Yeah, any, yeah. any big bourbony kind of things going on, like the harsh whiskey flavors or anything. This is a good bourbon for you because it is literally, this is about as smooth as it gets, but. But not smooth in a complex, interesting way. Smooth mm-hmm. in a—it's just a smooth. It's just a smooth bourbon. Boop bourbon. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's not. Let me ask you this: If this is in your collection of whiskeys, right? What what would cause you on any particular day to choose this one? I would be mowing the lawn. Okay, and you'd want a bourbon to drink while you're mowing the lawn. Is that what you're saying? Don't you? No, I use Does that go, seem weird? No, I use a good oh. tequila when I when I when I do uh, when no, I do mowing. I it's that. usually tequila. You know? No, I answer that because uh, I, that's just a joke. That's just a if you uh, if you're looking at your shelf and you go, hmm, what I don't really I, know what, what I want. What like, am I, I having tonight? I don't yes. need an 18 year old something right now, but I don't necessarily want uh, a beer. Right. This is somewhere in the middle. This is like you know, hey, it's just a it's just a bourbon. You don't have to think about it. It's like bubble gum of bourbon, if you will. You don't have to think about it. It's just something you could chew on for a little bit while you decide which really, really more expensive one you want to try. So would you say then that there is a bit more flash to the packaging than what this delivers on? Or do you feel like it delivers what it promises? I think that if you read the packaging, it delivers exactly what the packaging says. Mm -hmm. I think that the packaging is slightly cooler than the whiskey. You know, mm-hmm. I think that the bottle looks awesome and the whiskey's not bad. Thirty bucks but, though, it's hard to you know this this isn't Blanton's, but then again it's half the price. Yeah, it's half the price of Blanton's. Right, right. Um and, and so it's not bad for thirty bucks, but then again at thirty dollars, I'd go for Buffalo Trace because Buffalo Trace I think is a better whiskey. I would agree with that. Yes. You know, and Eagle Rare is a better whiskey. Mm-hmm. And neither of those are high price points. And whiskeys. neither one of them has the insanely cool packaging that this has. No, you're right. <laughs> you're absolutely <laughs> right about that. I mean, this is almost worth having as a conversation piece, and the whiskey's not bad. Yeah, exactly. You know? So, all right. I, I think we've landed on that. <laughs> By the way, speaking of whiskey, and let me, uh, I'll, I'll take a look when we take the break uh, uh, at exactly the right dates for the whiskey social, but it's coming up, and our friends uh, Chris Hart and Yuante Curry are uh, putting together the best whiskey event in, certainly in the greater Houston area. It's awesome, and uh, we're going to be there this year. What we have to decide is do we want to do a segment there, or do we want to just walk around and enjoy whiskey? I think the answer to that is yes. And yes? Yes. <laughs> okay. Those guys have a very specific set of talents. They really do. <laughs> and it and it revolves around whiskey. They really, really know what they're doing. So uh, we'll be back. I'll give you the dates for that when we come back in the final segment. Plus, uh, we've been promising it all show. I will deliver the silliest words, or I'm sorry, the weirdest words <laughs> in whiskey. And uh, we will be finally tasting the Founders Dank Wood Imperial Red IPA, which I understand they used to love to drink out on the back 40. We'll be right back. It's smoking and toasting. On the beach in Hawaii. On a beach in Hawaii with J.R. Ewing. It doesn't match. The, was, the mental image doesn't match. It was match. all it's a dream. Yeah. <laughs> 
Welcome back. It is Smoking and Toasting. We are thrilled to have you on the program. The uh, the program Smoking and Toasting is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. This is show number 90, and we are brought to you by um, the B&B Butchers and Restaurant in Houston and in uh, Fort Worth. Shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth and 1814 Washington Ave in Houston. And we need to get back out there and do another show because I miss yeah. our buddy Jeremiah. Uh, it's always, always fun to have him on the show. By the way... I uh, I noticed this actually during one of the breaks, and I meant to uh, I meant to bring it back up on the show. On the can of Green Zebra Goza style ale that we uh, uh, tried in our second segment on the show today, uh, the guys of founders have written: "Drink responsibly. They don't serve founders in the clink." <laughs> yes. <laughs> so there you go. If uh, if something happens, you won't be able to won't be able to enjoy your fine tasty beverage. So. Uh, so we've had some tasty beverages on this show. The J.R. Ewing uh, whiskey, which we defined as just a, a very straight ahead, not super interesting, but drinkable drinkable, and, and actually quite good uh, in, in its own way, particularly at its price point. So we've tried that. We tried the St. Arnold and Brash, not a collaboration. We've tried the Founders Green Zebra Goza, and we've even tried the Mystery Beer, which was the Budweiser Freedom Reserve. And we actually liked it. That's the best Budweiser I've ever had. Adam on the Wheels of Steel liked it better than the Founders Goza. Get out of here. <laughs> He's not a sour beer guy. Your job is in review. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The uh, the silliest words in whiskey. I'm going to save the first one from the article, which, by the way, was from whiskeywash.com. Good site, by the way, mm-hmm. if you're a whiskey fan. I'm going to save that for uh, for last. Uh, so let's start with the word puking. It's a whiskey word. Puking? Puking is uh, what uh, is... What happens when the whiskey is is uh, being distilled, and the whiskey pukes or backs up, regurgitates into the neck of the still, and it has a tendency to foul the distillate. Uh, in both the uh, overdrinking and overheating case, it's something to be avoided. So <laughs> it's something that happens when there's a little too much heat. Puking uh, happens during the during the thing. Another ridiculously named distilling device, the slobber box. The slobber box? The slobber box was invented to combat the problems of puking. Instead of following a smooth, straight line, this line arm deposits its vapor inside a box the slobber box, and then continues on the other side of the box, giving any foam, mash, or any other heavy components from the pot a place to settle out, something like uh, a deep eddy in a river, I guess. Mm. Uh, The slobber box can be drained from the bottom, which allows distillers to empty it periodically without interrupting the distillation. Uh, Next, uh, wacky whiskey word, weird whiskey word. (laughs) Weird and wacky whiskey word. Weird and wacky. The copper dog. Distillery dogs are a thriving tradition, but a copper dog isn't a sweet, fuzzy critter that you take on walks. Instead, it refers to a little homemade device made from copper tubing sealed on one end with a copper penny that distillery workers use to uh, sneak a few drams home from work. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, On a chain, it's just the right size to dip uh, uh, into and and then uh, thieve a few ounces right from the barrel, uh, then stop up with a cork and nestle in your pocket until the day's work is done. That is the distillery dog. The distillery dog. The copper dog. dog. Mm, The copper dog, yes. Uh, Then there is the uh, depelgamator. 
It's a hard to spell word. Comes to us from the German. Uh, the Germans invented this little device. Uh, which basically is a box that's crisscrossed with little tubes full of cold water. It sits on top of the column of some kinds of stills where it gives the vapor more opportunities to bounce into cold surfaces, recondense, and then drop back into the pot and be vaporized again, the process that's referred to as reflux, another uh, not-so-pleasant <laughs> word uh, in whiskey here. Distillers can change the temperature of the water inside the tubes for different effects, and it's pronounced defeglamator. I don't remember if I pronounced it correctly or not. And finally, I'm going to go back to the word that's actually number one uh, on this list, but I just simply had to save it for last. Bung. The bung. The bung. It's a simple syllable and the source of more tried-and-true tasting room jokes and tongue-in-cheek industry banter than any other word in distilling. Uh, But it's also frequently misunderstood. Bung refers to the small wooden plug that seals the barrel by tightly fitting into the bung hole. Yes. Yeah, this is all whiskey terminology we're giving you here. Uh, the circular hole that's drilled into the side of the barrel. Because the bung is such an important part of the whiskey world, it lends humor to dozens of situations. <laughs> uh, removing the bung to smell the whiskey inside the barrel, you're nosing the bung hole. Nosing uh, the bung hole. Warehouse workers work hard to make sure each barrel is racked bung up. To avoid leakage from a faulty bunghole, because who would want that, right? Uh, bunghole too small to fit a standard bung? You need to find yourself, I can't believe this actually exists, a bunghole reamer, a special tool used to enlarge bungholes and return a number of startling not safe for work Google search results. <laughs> uh, spend enough time around barrels and the bung jokes begin to write themselves. So there you go. From Whiskey Wash, thank you guys. Um, the uh, <clears throat> the silliest words, the wackiest words, the the weirdest weird words in in wild in whiskey. Yeah, wordage in whiskey in whiskey. Yes. Uh, what a show this has been. <laughs> Uh, somehow it's been a very different kind of show than uh, than many that we've had before. So it seems only fitting that we're going to close out by tasting the Founders Barrel-Aged Dank Wood. Is this the fifth segment already? It is. Oh, that's not a good. This goes by fast. Yes, it does. Uh, time's, time's fun when you're having flies is what the, yes, uh, time's fun when what you're the having frog flies. said to the other frog. Uh, <laughs> Dank, Founders Dank Wood is an Imperial Red India Pale Ale aged in bourbon barrels by our friends and and practically a sponsor of today's show, uh, Founders, uh, since we're reviewing so much Founders stuff. But uh, let me see if I can read this. I don't read small, uh, bold print very well. What do you get when a big, bold Imperial Red IPA meets with an oak bourbon barrel? A palate stunner that'll send your senses spinning, or, as we like to call it, Dank wood. So that means it came out of a mm-hmm. bunghole. Uh, well, I suppose that it probably did. Uh, this is the 2018 release, by the way. Apparently, dank wood is a yearly, a uh, seasonal beer. So everyone may be slightly different, just like the uh, the Christmas ale or or something like that. So this should be an interesting. Dank is such exercise. a good word because dank is so descriptive. Like you, it really is. Like even there's not the word itself word. sounds like right. a thing. You know, there's it's just, not just that it's a word. It it actually sounds when you say it like dank would feel or smell or taste. And so now that we've said dank several times, it'll be time to do the smelling and the tasting. And wow, 
I'm, I'm watching there's you. A, there's a lot I'm there. Watching you. There's a lot uh, there. Now, what's saying. interesting is generally when we do these bourbon barrel aged uh, beers, it's generally something darker. It's generally a stout or a porter or, um, wow, this is a, a red IPA, though. Yeah. All kinds of uh, dried fruit, like mm-hmm. uh, uh, raisins, dates, um, you know, cherries, maybe. It makes me think of, uh, how about this word? Loam. Mm <laughs> hmm. Now, where do you get loam? Loam. It's like uh, it's like mossy kind of. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know what it is. But where do you get it in the like in the in the, in the smell? You're, you're smelling that in the, in the aroma. Yeah, and there's and the spice and well, it's that earthiness that you smell in mm-hmm. there. Like that to me is that dank always has a little earthiness to it. If you ask me. Well, yes, you can't be dank without a certain amount of yes. I have to say, this is pretty good. <laughs> is um, it though? It is a it is a dark fruit celebration. Um, you you think of all like think of the darkest colored berries that you can think of. Now think of them sort of dried, and the juice is squished into mm. this uh, this beer, and and that's kind of that's kind of where my uh, taste buds go. Uh, it definitely has the earthiness and the dankness mm-hmm. that Ian was mentioning. So, mm. mm-hmm. Adam just said apricot. There's definitely apricot in there as well. Yeah, there's so many things going on in this. Plus, uh, one of my favorite things is after the finish, and you should be mm-hmm. getting that right about, mm, wait for right it about now. Now, yes. Is that oak dryness that happens right on the outside <laughs> edges of the tongue. Mm. There's a little bit oak of that. that dryness. Just, Fascinating, but yes. it's uh, it, And it's so good because I love that about a barrel-aged beer is when we're that... Where that uh, woodiness that you get from it, and I think maybe it's maybe it's the fruit plus the wood plus the yeah, just the beer in general gives it that dank smell. But that's a great name for it. You remember the slogan for Kenny Rogers Roasters, the Kenny Rogers owned uh, chicken uh, fast food places that used to exist, don't you? No. The slogan was, "It's the wood that makes it good." <laughs> I think we'll apply that to. The founder's dank wood. <laughs> it's the wood it makes I, I will tell you, I've actually eaten at a Kenny Rogers Roasters. I, I ordered at the drive-thru, and when you pull around to the drive-thru speaker and you're about to make your order, they would say to you, and I quote, Welcome to Kenny Rogers Roasters. It's the wood that makes it good. May I help you? So... That's awesome. Yes, that is that is all kinds of awesome. Uh, but apparently there was some, um, and I'm not making this up, apparently there was some controversy as to the um, humaneness of how the chickens were uh, raised that were used at the Kenny Rogers uh, Roasters. And a woman appeared at a Kenny Rogers concert in a giant chicken costume and accosted him on stage. I am not making that up simply because you can't make that up. Right. That's not something you could uh, Who that would you could make, make that up. up. Like, why would you? Why would you? That's uh, hilarious. Want to mention I said I would look up the date for the Houston Whiskey Social. Thank you. I have done that. It is at the Citadel uh, in Houston and it is on Saturday, July the 28th. So mark your calendars. Go to Houston, HoustonWhiskeySocial.com uh, to get more information and find out about tickets it's going to be a blast be prepared to sleep in on the 29th oh yes oh yes absolutely and um um just back for one moment to the founders dank wood as we get ready to close out the show um ian where would you rank this with the other bourbon barrel aged 
spirits that we've enjoyed, uh, uh, beers that we've enjoyed on the show. I mean, would you say this is one of the better ones? Is it somewhere in the middle? Maybe not as good as the as what you normally have. Like, where would well, you put this? Because I know you is, like these in general. Well, yeah, you can barrel age almost anything, and I'm probably going to enjoy it. Um, maybe I. No, I was going to make a bunghole joke, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've had a few of those on the show today. No, um, so I like that it's interesting and it's different. That's one of my mm-hmm. favorite things about it. So in that level, um, I think it's fun. I think it's one of the more interesting things we've had. Because a lot of stouts, when you put them in a barrel, they get better. They get that wood age, and but they're they nice. get more stout-like. But they're not necessarily that much more interesting. This mm-hmm. is a, a red India Pale Ale, which is interesting anyway. It's by Founders, so it's going to be a good quality product. And then it's barrel-aged, and it picks up a lot of that barrel-aged. Like, you would think almost that, that the IPA hoppiness would bury a lot of that oak... Uh, char flavor that oak wood flavor and it doesn't it comes right through like however they made that happen so i think this is fantastic is it my favorite barrel age thing in the world not really but it sure is fun and i will definitely buy this again i will say this is the most interesting and different ipa i've ever had yeah yeah so this is definitely and it comes in a four pack so Mm -hmm. uh it's definitely worth buying a four pack and then sharing it around and you know trying a few Ah, the dank wood. The dank wood. The dank wood. Want to thank you guys for uh, checking us out on show number 90, The uh, Weirdest Words in Whiskey. Smoking and Toasting is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. With big thanks to our uh, sponsors, B&B Butchers and Restaurant, 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. And uh, big, big thanks to uh, La Paulina. Mm-hmm. And, Roberts. and uh, yes, this has been a uh, uh, a very very nice gift that he sent over. And um, I want to just point out, Ian, that now that we're at ninety shows, uh, it's it's almost as if like you can almost say that the show has like made it or something. Like you know what it's, I mean? That's pretty funny. Like <laughs> like we, you know what I mean? It's it's like it's like okay, we did ninety shows. That's not nothing. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's over. That's almost two years now, and it's more than eighty nine shows. It is more than eighty nine shows. Next week, I think we're going to probably go ahead and go on ninety one. I think that will be the plan, and we look forward to next week. I should have some very interesting things to taste and more. Oh, we! I'm so sorry. We have run out of time for sampling the Mumford and Sons IPA. We'll have to get to that uh, next week if we can. But in the meantime, we want to thank uh, J.R. Ewing, the fictional character, for signing our bottle of uh, whiskey here. And and with a little music from Dallas, we want to uh, say thank you for listening to the first 90 shows or the first 89 out of 90. And uh, we appreciate you being a part of Smoking and Toasting. My friends, cheers. (laughs) Cheers. Watch this. This is called a mechanical fade out. You totally should have said... Hold my beer and watch this.